brace for a brand new format as we discuss not one, but four different trade paperbacks. Spider-Man, Batman, The Shadow, Patsy Walker, and Nightwing. We'll talk about them all straight ahead. Welcome to the Classy Comics Podcast, where we search for the best comics in the universe. From Boise, Idaho, here is your host, Adam Graham. This is the start of a brand new format. We began the series with doing uh, two episodes a week, generally covering one book per episode, though there were a couple episodes where we did go ahead and extend it out and do multiple episodes for a single book. So now we're going to go through generally three to four different graphic novels slash uh, trade collections, and probably not go into detail as much, so that we cover more books, and hopefully in a little bit less time. And we'll only be doing one episode a week. So we'll start out with Amazing Spider-Man Renew Your Vows, Volume 3, Eight Years Later. The Amazing Spider-Man Renew Your Vows miniseries was a tie-in to the Secret Wars event, and then it led to a series that was initially written by Spider-Man legend Jerry Conway, and with art by Ryan Stegman, who took over the writing duties after Conway left. With issue 13, Jody Hauser took over the writing duties, and it was decided to take the story of Peter Parker and Mary Jane Parker and their daughter Annie eight years ahead. And I think there are a lot of good reasons to move this story to when she's a teenager, just because there's so much more you can write about with a teenager in a series as they're facing so many choices about what direction they're going to take in life. So I think this uh, definitely had potential. There are two stories in this volume which collect issues 13 through 18 of the series. First three-issue arc, eight years later, finds the family going for a day off at Coney Island when the lizard attacks, and they all change into their costumes. While Spidey and Mary Jane have the same costumes they did previously, Annie, a.k.a. Spiderling, has got a new costume and it looks nice. It plays on the classic Spider-Man design, but with a greater emphasis on the blue with just a few red uh, accents, like the webbing across her chest is blue. So I think it's a good design. At any rate, it turns out that the lizard does have a reason for attacking, and that there are a bunch of people who are deformed or who would be identified as freaks who are imprisoned in the sewer, and so they have to fight to save them. It's not a bad story, but it's also nothing special. There's one point in the story where Peter gives 
her a lecture about what it means to be a hero and the type of decisions that heroes make and need to make and the risk that they have to decide to take. That wouldn't be out of place if she was just starting off, but she's been doing this thing for eight years. So it doesn't feel like a particularly believable interaction. The second story is Fast Times at Midtown High. Peter gets a job teaching at Annie's High School, which is the same high school that Peter went to when he was a kid. Annie finds a couple of kids who have developed superpowers. Annie lies to her dad about it and decides that instead she is going to train with them and train them to be superheroes. However, things get out of hand and she ends up needing some help from her parents. I like this story. It's the type of thing that I imagined happening in this book once we got into Annie being a teenager. And this really does give us a little bit of a sense of her character. And you also get this feel of a teenager who is growing up, struggling for kind of her own sense of identity, wanting to have her own sense of place in the world, and even making some wrong choices in pursuit of that, but still being basically a good kid. And there are also uh, some great moments with the uh, kids who have gotten superpowers. And the interplay between them is really good. So I really like this story. And even though the first one was kind of flat for me, I'll still give this book a rating of somewhat classy. It's just great to read a current ongoing Spider-Man series with a Spider-Man who hasn't made a deal with the devil. And I am enjoying the family and I'm looking forward to what happens in the next volume. Next up, we have a joint production from Dynamite and DC, The Shadow slash Batman. In this book, much to his father's chagrin, Damian Wayne is investigating a sinister conspiracy going on in New York, which is the territory of The Shadow. And Damian, as well as eventually The Shadow and Batman, are led into the path of a conspiracy that involves Ra's al Ghul teaming up with Shaiwan Khan, a shadow villain, and his Silent Seven in a plot to take over the world. Now, this is an interesting story. I will admit that this is actually the second Batman Shadow story, and I didn't read the first one. So, there are some things that are uh, from the previous book that are uh, referenced that I'm not familiar with, but they do uh, really uh, make efforts to make sure that you know what's going on in just this current volume. And apparently, in this particular alternate world, the Shadow was one of Batman's mentors, and that definitely makes sense given what Bruce Wayne did in going out and seeking mentors and training in a wide variety of different arts and sciences in order to become the great crime fighter. So if he lived in the same world as the Shadow, it's perfectly believable he'd go that route. The Shadow in comics and often in pulps really does tend to use guns quite a bit. But that's not something Batman's into, and he uh, suggests some different tactics for dealing with the Silent Seven, including 
uh, using Wayne Enterprises' financial position in order to wipe out uh, the Silent Seven's uh, financial resources to ruin their shell companies. And this seems to work, but then it turns out that it doesn't, and people start forgetting. But the stocks ever dropped, and the records start disappearing. And this is uh, where the book really, for me, runs into quite a bit of trouble. Because it turns out that the Silent Seven is in the business of killing people and then bringing people back to life for slaves. And the people not even knowing that they're slaves of the Silent Seven. And because of all the key infrastructure they control, they can rewrite history and rewrite what has happened and the people they have reanimated have no control over what they do. And in fact, at one point, it's even stated that Batman is dead and under control of the Silent Seven. And the big problem with this book is that they massively overpowered their villain to such a level that it's not even believable that the Batman or the Shadow could uh, triumph over them. And so, therefore, the resolution we get to the story isn't particularly satisfying, nor does it make a whole lot of sense, given what they tried to establish before. And it wouldn't hurt the story so much if that didn't become such a centerpiece of, ooh, we villains are so powerful, and there's nothing you can do, and psychoanalyzing the heroes, and psychoanalyzing the villains, and on and on. And it does end up on a little bit of an up note, but to me, the book just isn't satisfying, and I would give it a rating of not classy. Next up is Marvel's Patsy Walker Hellcat. And this book is uh, from 2008. It has two separate stories in the trade. The first is from Marvel Comics Presents. And it has Patsy Walker going out on a date. However, different iterations of her all start showing up and really confusing her romantic situation and her date. And there's a bunch of magic going on. The story plays off the idea that Patsy Walker is such a longtime uh, character with Marvel that she was originally like in romance uh, magazines and then... You know, as Marvel stopped doing those, they brought her into the superhero uh, one. And there was, I think, all sorts of versions of her, either things that different people wrote or uh, things that are supposed to be fantasies. It's a bit confusing, but okay on the first story. The second story is a five-part miniseries. And this is set in the Marvel Comics universe after the events of Civil War where they have the 50-state initiative by S.H.I.E.L.D., and she is sent out to cover Alaska. And, of course, with the great research they do for Alaska, they produce a story that involves her dealing with polar bears and a, an Eskimo shaman family seeking to reclaim their rebellious daughter and her going out to help them do it for some reason. The state of Alaska thanks you for all your thorough research and your good job of portraying the state in a non-stereotypical way. 
Yeah, this story just didn't really do a lot for me. I think they were trying to go for a fun, light-hearted feel, but it just kind of came off as confusing and a bit convoluted. Uh, I think there has to be a grounding for a character, if you're, particularly if you're going to use them in a shared uh, universe with uh, serious characters. With a few tweaks, I could kind of see this as a sort of zany uh, kids Teen Titans Go type story. But it has a few gray moments and just some weird stuff that wouldn't even work in that way. So this one, I'm going to give a rating of not classy. And yeah, it, it, it was aiming for the right place, but I think it missed by a good bit. Finally, we have Nightwing Volume 5 Raptor's Revenge, which collects issues 30 to 34 of Nightwing. And in issue 30 of Nightwing, things really start to go wrong for him. Uh, first, the uh, Senator Polito, who represents this area, Bloodhaven, in the United States Senate, you know, the whole state, obviously, uh, is attacked. And Notwing uh, protects him from being killed, uh, but observes in the caption, despite winning in a landslide, has been struggling and unpopular lately ever since he backed his party's health care bill, which cuts support for the poor to fund a tax cut for the wealthiest Americans. And the book really has not been political at all, so that was kind of out of left field. And you're kind of like, hmm, I wonder what he was talking about there. And uh, then uh, Senator Polito goes on television to really give a very tortured explanation. He says that we need to cut funds to community senators and centers and shelters because we need to get strong on punishing thieves, which is not actually a real position anyone holds, even even these days. But I guess you never know when that might happen. And this hits people at the community center where. Uh, Dick has volunteered and even worked, and where his ex-girlfriend Sean works quite hard. And I kind of love the way the comic acts like a senator from a state declares that uh, we're going to cut funds, and it's like they're assuming the funds are going to be cut. It doesn't quite work that way. In addition to this, Raptor has come to Bloodhaven. Raptor was introduced in the very first volume of T.M. Seeley's run on Notwing as this guy who knew uh, Dick Grayson's mother and was very critical of Batman and Dick's relationship to him. And he's back to bring vengeance on Bloodhaven because Notwing is there and he's upset at Notwing for not uh, joining his crusade against rich people. And so Raptor is a big threat to the city, and he needs help, but the ex-supervillains are mad at him because one of them got killed helping out Notwing in the previous volume, and they're also really nervous because of Senator Polito saying they were going to cut funding for the community centers, and the police detective who had helped him in the past and who had given him CPR in the previous volume doesn't want to have anything to do with helping him with this raptor thing because uh, the brass has come down on cooperation with vigilantes and also because of the 
kiss, i.e. the mouth-to-mouth resuscitation she gave to Nightwing, has led her to conclude that Nightwing is quote-unquote warm for her form and that she needs to stay away from his hot little bod. Again, a quote. And Nightwing apparently didn't want to hurt her feelings by correcting her, so he goes away and makes a deal with Blockbuster, who, if you recall from our previous review, had uh, taken over the casino and all crime in the city to leave the city if Blockbuster would help him get rid of Raptor, because Raptor's just that big a threat to the city. And that's all in the first issue. And then after that first issue, I think the story just does actually keep getting better. Uh, It uh, builds a lot of tension, and you begin to have more and more characters getting involved, and a greater realization of what uh, threat Raptor poses to the city. You also have some great scenes with Raptor and Dick Grayson confronting each other. With Raptor kind of coming off in some ways as like an almost Occupy Wall Street sort. And I guess in many ways the the whole Senator Polito thing was maybe a bit of a balancing act to the way he would be in this story. Just this absolute uh, kind of like the anarchy character in uh, Detective Comics. Though with a stronger, more personal uh, pull on uh, Dick Grayson and and anger over Grayson not joining him. And it ends on a really solid uh, note. It wraps up everything from Tim Seeley's run in this sort of big, you know, if it was a TV series, it'd be like a big series finale. Probably my biggest concern is that the book feels like it was rushed out a bit. Because it feels like there should have been more stories between what we got in Volume 4 and this uh, big finale. A little bit more build-up. It feels like there were decisions made either by Seeley or uh, by DC's editorial uh, board to move writers around. And so Seeley got this arc to wrap everything up. And he did so, even though I think it probably would have been more impactful if we'd had, you know, another couple of books with uh, Blockbuster running the city. And that speed of wrapping everything up does lead to a few things that don't quite work, particularly in relationship-wise. His uh, relationship with Helena, a.k.a. Huntress, is kind of uh, very quickly uh, tossed aside by her in the middle of the book. And then uh, there is a resolution given to his relationship with Sean, a.k.a. Defacer, which has her spouting some pretty nonsensical dialogue about why she and Dick can't be together. Uh, She says, I love you too, too much. Everything is stronger, every feeling. I can't be that happy and I can't be that angry. And it just leaves you wanting to wish her well and hope she finds someone to which she can be happily and totally indifferent. Because that's the nature of romantic relationships, is there are extremes. And it's just an incredibly silly thing to say. Though I think what we are reading here is Tim Seeley just 
uh, trying to put away his run on Nightwing. You know, it's like putting together a toy box and leaving things so that the next rider can be able to play around with them as they they see fit. Certainly, if a future rider liked the whole Sean and uh, Dick Grayson relationship, it would not be a problem to bring them back together. But Seeley's trying to give them a more or less of a blank slate. So despite maybe some of my uh, riffing and some of my problems with the book, I still enjoyed it and I thought it was an end to what was a really fine run on Nightwing. I will give uh, Nightwing Volume 5 Raptor's Revenge a rating of somewhat classy. It's flawed and a bit rushed in places, but it really does build to a satisfying conclusion. So, to summarize the books I've looked at today, Amazing Spider-Man, Renew Your Vows, Volume 3. Eight years later, it gets a rating of somewhat classy. After a slow start, it really does begin to explore Annie as a character and point a promising direction for the future of the series. The Shadow slash Batman, rated not classy. While it has some interesting ideas, it overpowers its villains and makes the ending a little less satisfying than it should be. Patsy Walker Hellcat, rating not classy. It tries to be fun and light and loose, but mostly comes off as chaotic and convoluted and not really sure what it's going for. Finally, Nightwing Volume 5, Raptor's Revenge, earns a rating of somewhat classy. Despite a somewhat rushed setup, it does come to a pretty satisfying conclusion for Tim Seeley's run on Nightwing with some good exploration of Dick Grayson and his relationship to Raptor, as well as successfully wrapping up so many elements that had been in Tim Seeley's run on the series. All right, well, that's all for now. If you do have a comment, email it to me, classycomicsguy at gmail.com. Check me out on Twitter at classycomicsguy, and be sure and rate the show on iTunes. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.